This is That'sInTheBible.com That's in the Bible, episode number 88. Wisdom is the principal thing. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is that stay. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Hello and welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric. Glad you could join us for another episode of That's in the Bible. Here it is, 2020. Seems very futuristic even right now as I say that. 2020, That's in the Bible started in 2009. And here we are in 2020. And I can say to that, even so, come Lord quickly. Joining us today, we've got a full house, Pastor Strobel, Pastor Steve and matt and welcome guys glad to have you all here pastor strobel will be bringing us the uh, study today so let's start with pastor strobel pastor strobel how are you doing there in lockport new york doing well keeping busy and with the lord's help fighting the good fight of faith amen and pastor steve over there in uh buffalo new york doing well hanging in there trying to Stay in the fight like uh, Brother Strobel and uh, doing something for the Lord. So, praise the Lord. Amen. And Matthew, up there in the Arctic, how are things in the Arctic? Doing well. Doing very good. We got a blizzard warning till 6 p.m., but uh, not bad so far. So, doing good. Hey, we, ha- we had some, what I would consider, serious winds. I think they were 40 miles per hour. Um, I'm not sure if it hit 50, but... A couple nights ago, a couple days ago, we had some serious wind, and all I could think about was you, because uh, yeah, you guys get a lot of wind. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's one of the first things that was hard to get used to when we got here was the wind, and because uh, you just you hear it in your house, your house starts shaking. When we get to about forty, a little over forty miles an hour, the whole house starts shaking a little bit. So, and it's it can be relentless, four or five days straight of that. So you start to lose your uh, patience with it after a while, but but it's been good been good so far and i know that uh pastor steve has been up there as well i don't know if it was windy when you were there steve but when i was there it wasn't just the wind shaking the house the thing that was most disconcerting to me was when you'd go to the bathroom and the water in the toilet bowl was coming back (laughs) sloshing around like a like a washing machine I do remember that, but yes, it was windy when we were up there. I think it uh, one day it was uh, sixty mile an hour sustained winds. I mean, it was just it was really howling across there, and it shakes and and uh, I guess that eerie sound kind of just eats at you for a while. Especially I, we I, we certainly weren't cooped up as long as long as Matt and Jen have been cooped up there, but uh, it was uh, it was distracting for sure. And Matt, I know you, you, did you put a new toilet in that you were talking about the other day? I know you've done some work. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how much I've learned since I've come here. <laughs> I, I never hardly did anything when uh, before I came out here. And, you know, since there's really no nothing out here, you have to do most of the stuff yourself. So I was able to get a toilet and um, this might sound weird but it actually flushes all the way down now <laughs> we got one of those power flush things you know it, it doesn't sound like a rocket engine or anything like that but it uh it pushes the water down and uh but it was not easy uh i had a little trouble getting the fitting 
from the water line uh, to my toilet to fit to the tank. And I went to the store, and of course, the store only had like a few things, and they, they didn't have anything what I was looking for. But the Lord uh, helped me out. I was able to find the right fitting from um, somebody else here in the village. And uh, so praise the Lord. It, uh, we, I was thinking we were going to have to go weeks without a toilet, which would have been <laughs> terrible. So, But it's great. Well, now that you're a master uh, handyman technician, I know that Pastor Steve, <laughs> yeah. Pastor Strobel, and I already have a list for you when you do. <laughs> yeah. come it's back a very limited it. list. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's not a master of any of them. <laughs> it's all right. We'll, we'll put you to work. We don't mind. <laughs> so let me check in with Pastor Strobel a little bit more depth. Pastor Strobel, Lockport, New York. Um, what's happening there? Right now? <laughs> well, now we're in the past few weeks since we last talked to you. But what's on the what's on the uh, focus of the future for 2020? My brain is so uh, scrambled with what I've been doing and and uh, all the, the, that I can't even think right now about what's coming up. <laughs> even though I've been talking about it and preaching about it, I mean, we have. Uh, I mean, 2020 pr- provides for us Bible-believing churches, a ready-made theme, and uh, with 2020 vision. Mm, So the last two services that we had, Sunday service we had in December, um, I preached in the morning and the night on on 2020 vision, some personal vision, some uh, visions for, you know, the church as well. And then on the first Sunday in in January, I preached on how to accomplish uh, those 2020 visions. So... uh, Again, with with that, and then I'm I'm coming off here yesterday with a full boat of of uh, preaching. I've just been going, you know, it seems like days on end. And right now, my focus is um, getting uh, doing the study here today. So um, I'm having a hard time thinking beyond that right now. All right, but you're you're able. We're, are you saying that other pastors and preachers are able to use your 2020 uh, ideas? It's uh, regardless of of them. You can call them my ideas, but they're not my ideas. I mean, it's just it's just natural. I guarantee you that um, I'm not the only one that has already preached on 2020 visions. I'm pretty sure we'll probably wind up somewhere in a church uh, during the year where they've got a banner with a theme on it for the year, and it'll be 2020 vision. It's just it's just natural. Yeah, um, it is. That's good. And of course, we have in Acts 2020 kind of like the the basic 2020 vision where the Lord uh, has Paul telling us about how he kept back nothing profitable to the people, but uh, showed them and taught them publicly and house to house. And the next verse tells you what he was telling them. And he was preaching to them repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, so that's one 2020 vision that anybody could have Whatever the year is, it's mm-hmm. just you want to you want to see clear, you know, where there is no vision, the people perish, and where we don't have a vision for witnessing, people will die and they will go to hell. But yeah, anybody can use that. It's it's um, certainly not an original. It's just uh, something natural. Amen. I, I actually tuned in the other day to uh, Pastor Modlish's website out there in um, Colorado. And he had something on 2020 as well. It was good. Amen. Good stuff. Amen. So, Pastor Steve, are you in 2020? Uh, well, we haven't utilized that yet, but uh, we will at some point. I had something already going on that I had to finish up before I could uh, move on to that. But uh, certainly that's a, a 
something good to use and, and uh, you could use it throughout the year so it's not something that has to has to take place right away but uh, we've uh, been enjoying some um, busy times some some things going on as far as the church is concerned that we hopefully can uh, work something out in the future to have our own place which is uh, something exciting we've seen mm-hmm. some people come that we've been praying for uh, to come out to the church which has been good and they've been coming out more than just once, so Amen. that means that uh, they haven't been scared away by the preaching, which is a good thing. <laughs> Amen. And then I uh, had a visitor come yesterday. Uh, one of our fellows uh, brought another guy along with him, and, and uh, he w- had a positive response to the message, so that was a good thing as well. And uh, got a lot of things going on with the family uh, that, uh, you know, we've got some babies that are coming on the way and some other things happening in the family that, uh, just really been occupying a lot of time. I think the last podcast I was busy, uh, helping, uh, with, uh, moving my middle son, uh, to get to his own place that they purchased and, and, uh, uh, it's amazing how many things they could fit into an apartment to get into a house and, uh, we just were busy for a couple of days, just uh, kind of nonstop. Uh, found out that I uh, haven't used some muscles in a, in a long time. <laughs> and uh, they reminded me greatly of, of uh, how much they need to be exercised. So, uh, But uh, thankfully, uh, we're all in one piece and, and uh, still doing well, and the family's doing well. We're looking forward to seeing uh, Matt and Jen and Jacob and, and uh, they're coming back here and I'm sure you are as well Eric so uh, uh, we're just got a lot of things going on and and uh, just excited that the, the Lord's still able to use somebody like me that <laughs> I can't understand why but I just uh, I'm glad that he is and and uh, giving me something to do for him so praise the Lord for that amen we amen. mentioned uh, on the last uh, podcast number eighty seven that uh, you were moving a bear, so we. Uh, yeah, we well, I, I listened to the podcast, <laughs> heard the comment, and uh, had to have a grin. <laughs> <laughs> now, each one of us, because the podcast number eighty seven, the last one we did, was the importance of a salvation testimony. I don't know if at this time you wanted to give your testimony before we go to the, today's uh, study. I don't, you know, I don't know how much time. I, I'm not going to take the whole time, obviously, but I, I could, I could give you probably something, some brief. Uh, when I heard Pastor Sobel say brief, and then I was listening to his testimony, it wasn't quite as brief as he thought it would be. But, but um, uh, yeah, I, I, if you want me to, I can, sure. I can give you a testimony now. So, um, I was raised in Northwest Indiana. I was raised in a Lutheran home. Uh, my mom was religious and grew up religious. Uh, I don't know what synod uh, of Lutheran she was when she was growing up. Uh, but my dad really wasn't uh, anything. Uh, as far as I know, he didn't really have any religious uh, training at all or upbringing. And uh, growing up, he would go from time to time. My mom was pretty much responsible for bringing us to church. I never had any aversion to church. Um, you know, if we were going to go, I, I was the one that was ready uh, to go. I didn't give her a hard time about going to church. I was confirmed. Uh, we had religious instruction for 7th grade and 8th grade on Saturday afternoons and uh, took the my first communion 
uh, was taught the the Ten Commandments and and the Golden Rule, and those were pretty much the things that I was instructed in to uh, believe that if I kept those, that I could have eternal life. And uh, so, good works was the element of of salvation. Um, I uh, even after uh, some issues took place in the family, when I was able to drive, I would still go out to church. But uh, as uh, high school turned to college, and college led to more experimentation of uh, all kinds of things, which obviously the, the car, you know the the view or not viewers, but the listeners would probably be ready know growing up in the in the early late 60s early 70s all the things that were available to us at that time uh, I would uh, was beginning to experiment with and so forth uh, bass I majored in vocal music but uh, was more interested in playing basketball at night and staying up all night and sleeping through the classes and obviously that didn't last very long and after two years basically flunked out. Uh, spent a year in a steel mill up in northwest Indiana with uh, an elderly black guy that uh, locker next to me, and uh, you know he kind of saw the handwriting on the wall for the steel industry, and he said, "Stevie, this isn't the place for you. You need to go find someplace else." And with that, I uh, joined the Navy. And <laughs> don't ask me why, but I, my my draft number was the last. Uh, lottery that they had for the draft and my number was 14 and I decided that I wanted to get what I wanted instead of what Uncle Sam wanted so I joined the Navy and uh, when I got in the Navy um, uh, <laughs> the life that I had started in college got worse uh, I used to go to the bars probably six nights out of seven I often say that it's because the band wasn't playing on the seventh night but Really, the the honest truth of it was that we had duty every six days or every, every sixth day or whatever it was. So I would go for six days to the uh, to the bar, and then the seventh day I'd have to have duty. So <clears throat> spent a lot of time there and uh, uh, just living kind of a wild life. But in that wild life, there was unrest and um, uh, just. Um, uh, Nothing satisfied, let's put it that way. And uh, fortunately for me, and I didn't think so at the time, but there were three fellows that were on the ship that were uh, willing to witness. And uh, <clears throat> their names was uh, names were Al, Gene, and Wally. And uh, come up from time to time. It wasn't like it was an everyday thing, but they would come up from time to time, and they would either give me a gospel track or, or try to witness to me. And uh, for the most part, I uh, took it as kind of an affront that they would suggest that I was, you know, uh, bad enough to go to go to hell and needed salvation. And they would ask me if I was saved, uh, saved and I, you know, was confused with that and, and kind of associated it with what I had been taught as in confirmation and so forth. And so i you know, told them I was saved, but they knew from my life that I wasn't, so they kept after me. But I would argue with them, I would cuss at them, I would uh, play practical jokes on them, uh, made their life miserable, as I thought that they were making my life miserable. But the crazy thing is, is that 
when the Lord would, would put conviction on me and I would be dissatisfied with life and I guess you could say a depressed in, in some respects, knowing uh, now it was the conviction of the Lord, uh, I would go and talk to those fellows and sometimes go to church with them. But to be honest with you, I did not understand the difference. I would read the chick tracks and I couldn't tell the difference between what they were what they were saying and what I was taught. And I know there's a difference, but I couldn't see it. I didn't understand it. And I attribute that to the fact that the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not. And so uh, they uh, they kept after me, and and uh, uh, you know there were times I was gracious to them, and there was times I was miserable to them. And uh, I, I'll never forget them for what they were willing to endure uh, to talk to somebody like me. Uh, my mouth was filthy, my mind was filthy, my actions were filthy, and yet they still wanted to talk to me about the Lord. And um, it was Christmas time, uh, December of 76, and uh, a fellow that I, uh, some of you guys know anyway, his name was Steve Weesey. He and I were kind of peas in a pod. He was Steve 1, I was Steve 2, and uh, we did all kinds of things together. And the same fellows that were witnessing to me were witnessing to him as well. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, in December of 76, uh, Christmas was on a Saturday. He called his mom and uh, Christmas time, and she was angry with him because he didn't go to Mass on, uh, on Christmas Day. So he figured the best thing he could do was to go with, to church with these guys on Sunday, and he went to church with them, and uh, he comes back about 11 o'clock at night. I'm in my rack, and his was kind of angle, uh, at an angle from mine, and I was still awake when he came in, and uh, he turns to his rack with his back towards me, and I said, hey, Steve, what's going on? And he didn't even turn around. He said, I got saved. And I knew what that meant. And at that moment, and I don't know that I could describe it to you anywhere, any other way than to say that I, God said something to me on the inside and said, boy, if you don't do it now, I'm going to take you out. And I got scared. And so uh, I went next morning. See, Steve, would, he didn't turn around because he thought that I was going to start cussing him out and just, you know, razzing him to death. But I didn't say anything. So the next morning, I talked to those guys. I said, when do you guys go to church next? And they said, Wednesday. I said, all right, I'm going to go with you. <clears throat> so on Wednesday, I, I, you know, you'd have to know, I, I, I smoked about three packs of cigarettes a day. I had, I think on the ride to church, Steve was smiling like, uh, like I'd never seen him before. He was just happy. He was joking around. I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, what got into this guy, you know, and, and I had a cigarette in each hand, uh, just like chain smoking and stuff on the way to church, scared to death, nervous. And uh, we sat, uh, they were holding at Trinity Baptist Church, they were holding services in their gymnasium and they had it long ways instead of wide ways. So there were a lot of rows of chairs. I think we were about 15 rows back and I couldn't even tell you what he preached. All I could remember what these guys have been telling me. And, and at that moment, I understood the difference. Uh, it was just like the light came on, and I understood I was in trouble. And so at the end of the message, 
I'd been to their church enough to know that that uh, if you wanted to go get saved, you had to go down to the altar. So I went down to the altar and I got on my knees and and uh, I think for the first time I admitted that what I had learned all those years ago was wrong. And for me, the I guess the the thing that that struck me was that I to admit it. And my idea of Christianity, this biblical Christianity, was to live like a monk for the rest of my life and never have any fun, never have any, do anything that was going to be interesting or anything like that. And I was so convicted that I was even willing to do that. And so with that kind of a hard attitude, I, I trusted the Lord as my Savior and and uh, uh, got up from my knees and the, the pastor introduced me to about 2,000 people in that auditorium. And uh, I, I tell you, I, I, it was, you know, I know you're not supposed to trust feelings, and I don't, but I tell you what, when I got up off my knees, I knew that it was different than anything that I'd ever done before. And uh, with that being said, uh, the next, on the ride home, I said, okay, when do you guys go to church next? And they said, okay, well, we go Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning church, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And I said, okay, I'm in. And from that point on, uh, I wanted to to just serve the Lord with all my heart and uh, uh, been going ever since. And uh, I could never thank the Lord enough for what he did for me. So praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. 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 I love hearing these uh, these testimonies. They're just inspiring, and it's, I don't know, something about them. It's great to hear. Amen. All right. Well, thanks, Steve. Amen. Pastor Strobel, are you ready? I'm just about there. Bring us wisdom <laughs> is the principal thing. And so here we go. Amen. I'm going to begin from uh, Proverbs chapter 4, if you want to follow along in your Bible. We will, as uh, often is the case, be all over the place before it's done. But I'm going to start with Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 7, which says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. And before we get into it, uh, let's pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for the fact that uh, We who know each other here on this podcast, we do have a testimony. Thank you for mine personally, and Lord, uh, that Brother Steve, Brother Eric, Brother Matt, uh, they all have a testimony of how they came to know you as their personal Savior. And I want to pray for anybody that's uh, tuning into our podcast that uh, doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Would you put them under conviction like you did, Steve, as he just talked about, and like you did each of us, Lord, at uh, different times in our lives? Would you put put them under conviction about their lost condition and help them to know that they need to be born again. They need to have their sins forgiven and trust in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, what he did for them, Lord, through the gospel. I pray now for your blessing upon this study. May you help me to present uh, this uh, really a vast subject. Um, help me to hit what needs to be hit today in, in a way that uh, somebody would be able to be helped and they'd gain, uh, Lord, uh, knowledge uh, understanding and uh, a uh, wisdom that they need from the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 4, 7. 
begins with these words once again. The wisdom, it says, wisdom is the principal thing. Now, the word principal there is spelled uh, at the ending with P-A-L. And there's two word principles that we know of. One ends in P-L-E and one in P-A-L. When I was in grade school, uh, we learned the difference this way. Uh, Our teachers or our principal, it might have even been, uh, told us that the way you can know the difference between those two words is that uh, when you're talking about the principal of a school, it's spelled P-A-L because the principal is your pal. Well, I don't think any of us actually believed that the principal is our pal, but it did help me to learn how to remember uh, to spell it. So when you're talking about a principle like a, um, a, a, a way of doing things or you know, a statute or a principle uh, sort of a thing, that'd be P-L-E. But when you're talking about like the principle of a school, it'd be P-A-L. That's not the only way the word principle P-A-L is used. It's, it's, it's used as something that's um, uh, kind of like a main thing. So the principal is the main person. He's like the head person, the most important person, if you will, in the school, because it's like where you know the buck stops there. Well, the Bible tells us here that wisdom is the principal thing. And the idea of that is that it is the main thing that uh, we need. Wisdom is the most important thing. Uh, that's the scriptures. Wisdom is the principal thing. When I was going to Bible Baptist uh, Church in Pensacola, Florida, during my days at Pensacola Bible Institute, at that time, there was a man uh, who came in um, named Homer, and Homer was kind of like a guy who, you know, uh, maybe he wasn't um, hitting on all cylinders. He, he was not by any means, you know, mentally retarded or anything like that, but he came from a simple life. Uh, he came from, uh, I think, uh, you know, hung out in, in places or it might have been like a rooming house or a boarding house. But uh, he'd come to church, and uh, he just would—he he just was a delightful soul. <laughs> Homer would sit on the front row. He, he'd be dressed in a suit and tie, and uh, boy, I'd, I'd have talks with him, fellowship with him. And he, again, he just was delightful. He loved the Lord, but he'd sit on the front row there. And um, I remember one time uh, it was during an offering, uh, and, and Homer just during the offering stood up. Uh, turned around and looked toward the congregation and said, kind of stuck his, his finger in the air like a, like a prophet about ready to proclaim something. And he said, the world didn't give it to me and it can't take it away. He turned around and sat down. And the folks just, you know, got all excited about it. And uh, he just, he was hitting uh, really on all spiritual cylinders. In our Bible-believing churches, when the preacher is preaching and he makes a good point, it's not unusual for somebody to respond by saying, Amen. Homer, instead of saying amen, he would respond to the preaching, but he would say, that's the main thing. And the, and the preacher hit a point and Homer would say, that's the main thing. And, and he would do that regularly. And never did he seem uh, out of line. It never seemed like sounding brass or tinkling cymbal, but all, always <laughs> spirit-filled. When I think about how the Bible speaks of wisdom as the principal thing, I often think of uh, Homer saying, that's the main thing. And, and that's what wisdom is. And that's what Proverbs 4, 7 is telling us, that wisdom is the main thing. Now, of all the books in the world, and there's a lot of them, like uh, Ecclesiastes says, of making many books, there's no end. Of all the books in the world, the Bible is the wisdom book. And of all the books in the Bible, Proverbs is the wisdom book. Certainly, there's wisdom in all the books of the Bible. And uh, the section that we call poetry is sometimes also called uh, the books of wisdom. Uh, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. But um, 
but but really, if you want to just zero in on one book that focuses on wisdom more than any other, it is the book of Proverbs. Uh, the words wisdom and, and wise, and, and all of the word wise's various forms, uh, they occur 125 times in the book of Proverbs. That's 125 times in uh, 31 chapters. Uh, compare that to the book of Psalms, which is the longest book in your King James Bible. Uh, it's those longest books. Psalms has less than 20 occurrences of uh, wisdom along with the various forms of the word wise. You know, the book of Proverbs, in, in, in that book, every chapter in the book of Proverbs contains at least one reference, one occurrence of one of those wisdom words. Uh, wisdom is also one of three closely related elements that you'll find in the book of Proverbs, and those are wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Just a brief idea of how you might look at the difference between those words. I, I look at it as kind of like a puzzle. Whereas if you have a puzzle, like a jigsaw puzzle, with so many different pieces, the pieces of that jigsaw puzzle would be like pieces of knowledge. Uh, under uh, uh, Wisdom would be being able to take those pieces of knowledge and, and put them together, utilize them. And then understanding is uh, what you get when you look at the big picture of all those things put together. You get an understanding of those things. Now, you can gain an understanding by looking at the cover of the puzzle box, and uh, the understanding can even help you to have wisdom to put the thing together. But these things work in concert with each other, and yet they are separate uh, elements. And, and we're going to focus in especially on wisdom. Again, our text says wisdom is the principal thing. Now, you would expect that, since wisdom is the main thing, that um, it would show up in its various aforementioned forms in Proverbs, uh, more than either of the other two words that we talked about, uh, knowledge and understanding. And, and it does. Uh, wisdom does show up more than, um, has more occurrences in Proverbs than uh, knowledge and more occurrences in Proverbs than understanding. In researching this fact and, and, and verifying it, I discovered an interesting thing. The word understanding, along with the various forms of the word understand in Proverbs, occur 66 times. The word knowledge, along with the various forms of the word, occur 66 times in Proverbs. And while I already told you that wisdom and wise in its various forms occur 125 times in the book of Proverbs, the word wise itself occurs exactly 66 times. Coincidence? You can decide for yourself. Uh, there are exactly 66 books in the Bible. Now, the Bible is the book that will equip you with the true wisdom and the true knowledge and the true understanding to both get through life and also to prepare you uh, for eternity. Uh, something uh, interesting back in the Old Testament, and you can look this up sometime in Leviticus chapter 24, verses 1 through 6, but in the tabernacle, they would lay out, uh, you know, across from the uh, candlestick, they lay out this table of showbread. And it's called showbread because it's there to show you something. And in that passage, it tells them when they're to lay it out, they were to lay out 12 pieces of showbread, but it says six on a row. So you got two rows of six. And if you're looking at six, the number six next to the number six, you see 66. And that that showbread is showing you is um, it's showing you the, the Bible. The candlestick sheds light 
on the Bible, powered by the oil, um, the flames powered by the oil, the oil, a type of the Holy Spirit of God. It sheds light over upon the showbread, it, and and that's showing you a picture of the Word of God, and the and the the Spirit of God gives us light on the Word of God. And it's six six. It's sixty six books in the Bible, no apocrypha. Now, as I said earlier, all, of all the books in the world. The Bible is the wisdom book, and if you're going to get wisdom, then you're going to have to get it from the Bible. Uh, the Bible is the Word of God, and the Bible itself bears witness to the Word of God being the wisdom of God. In Luke 11, verse 49, Jesus, speaking about the Word of God, instead said the wisdom of God. Here's how he, how he did it. He said, therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute. If you want to find wisdom, you're going to have to find it in the Word of God. Wisdom is found in the Word of God, and the Word of the Lord is the wisdom of God. Now, further on, Proverbs uh, being the main wisdom book of the entire Word of God, um, let's look right at the beginning of the book of Proverbs, and uh, there uh, we can see the purpose of the book. So I'm going to go over to Proverbs chapter number 1. If you want to, again, follow along in there, Proverbs chapter 1. And uh, there, begin reading in verse number 1. We're, we're going to get the reason for the writing of the book. And there it says, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. And now comes the purpose for the writing of the book. Number 1, to know wisdom. The main purpose of the book of Proverbs is to know wisdom. There are subsequent things that he mentions, but the very first thing is to know wisdom. So he says in verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. Verse 3, to receive the instruction of wisdom. So in the first two uh, verses that begin to describe the purpose of the writing of the book of Proverbs, the first thing is to know wisdom, Both, and the, and the next verse begins with to receive the instruction of wisdom. So God gives us Proverbs so that we can learn wisdom and, and know it, and so that we'll also be willing to receive when somebody's instructing us. And the Lord's going to give us some instruction uh, right here in the book of Proverbs uh, about wisdom. Now, in verse number four, he goes on to say, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. And there we have already in the first four verses, those three um, related elements, wisdom in verse number two, understanding also at the end of verse two, and then uh, knowledge in verse number four. Um, Also, in verses uh, five, six, and seven, you find wisdom showing up. And again, in verse number 20, between the words wisdom and wise, and, and thus, in the first chapter of the book of Proverbs, you have wisdom and wise showing up seven times. So, I mean, the Lord hits the ground running, letting you know in the book of Proverbs that uh, we're dealing with the subject of wisdom. And now, uh, back in our text, I'm going to go to Proverbs chapter 4 again, and verse number uh, 7. Proverbs chapter 4, begin in verse, beginning in verse number uh, 7. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. So even in that verse, you have wisdom and understanding related. But the next verse I want to point out for just a moment. It says, exalt her. Uh, Wisdom giving this uh, female personality. He says, exalt her and she shall promote thee. Wisdom will do that for you. Wisdom will, if you'll get a hold of the wisdom of God, it'll, it'll promote you. You won't have to promote yourself. Uh, that's the way to get ahead in the Lord's uh, work and, and in your relationship with the Lord. Exalt her and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. Uh, 
this relationship that you're to have with the wisdom of God, it's, it's spoken of like a love relationship, like a, a man would have with a woman. Um, you're to embrace her. You're to embrace the wisdom of God. Uh, like, like the, uh, mighty man of David, whose hand claved to the sword, we ought to cleave to the word of God. We ought to love it. Um, and that's, that's almost a whole nother lesson in itself. And indeed could be, uh, was a whole point in the message, a recent message, uh, that I preached. But, uh, again, that's another story. Now, since the, since wisdom is a principal thing, uh, the Bible tells us back in verse number seven, wisdom is a principal thing. The Bible says, therefore get wisdom. If it's the principal thing, then you ought to get it. You ought to seek to obtain it. So this is, this is something that ought to be a priority. If, if wisdom's the main thing and God tells us to get it, uh, you'd, you'd better make it a priority to get wisdom. Even if you don't fully understand what it is and what it's all about, it is something that God tells you to go after and to get. So, so how does one get it? We're going to talk a little bit about what you can do to obtain wisdom. How, how does one get wisdom? Well, let me tell you, it all starts with the fear of the Lord. There's two verses in the Bible that say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, one in Proverbs here, chapter 9, verse 10, also Psalm 111, verse 10. Both of them say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the first step you need to take to get a hold of the wisdom of God, you need to fear God. Um, fear, <laughs> this is a whole other uh, subject in itself as well. Uh, the fear of God gets a bad rap. Um, and, and yet, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So people that don't fear the Lord, they don't get wisdom. Not only is the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom, but Proverbs chapter one, verse seven tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge goes on to say, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You know, the reason why I started looking in the Bible at all in my life, when, when I began to seek the Lord, when I was 18 years old, the reason I started looking at it was because I began to fear God. I feared him because I was under great conviction for my sin. I knew that one day I was going to have to give account of everything I'd ever done. And I did not relish standing before God and having all my sins brought out into the open. I was concerned about going to hell. I wanted to go to heaven. And uh, it was the fear of God that got me to open up the Bible and start looking into it to find out about God. People that don't fear God, don't seek, they don't seek to gain any knowledge of God. The reason why a lot of people don't read the Bible in this day and age is because there's a lot of people that don't fear God. Speaking of such, the Lord said, there is no fear of God before their eyes. And, um, and that's the sad truth. But when a person begins to fear God, uh, then they'll become interested. If they don't pick up the Bible themselves, they'll ask somebody else what they know about the Bible, what they can tell. Or they'll try to tune in on a uh, religious television program or something. But, but it's that fear of God that gets you looking into what God has to say. The fear of the Lord drove me to the Bible to find out what the Lord had to say, what he required of me, and it'll do the same for others. And then the fear of the Lord will drive you to do what the Bible tells you to do so that you can reap the benefits of being right with God and avoid the consequences of not being right with God. So the fear of the Lord begins the knowledge it's the beginning of knowledge, gaining that knowledge of God, and that's the knowledge we're speaking of here. And then that also leads you to the wisdom of being obedient to the Word of God, to following the Lord's ways and doing what He tells you to do. Now, if you're going, so if you're going to get the fear, if you're going to get the wisdom of God, you're going to need the fear of God. And also, if you're going to get the wisdom of God, you're going to need to get Jesus. 
The Lord Jesus Christ is the personification of wisdom. If you're following along in, in the scriptures, uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And there towards the end of the chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm going to zero in and look at uh, verse number 30. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse number 30. And it says this, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us. So it's telling us that, that God has made Christ Jesus these things unto us. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. But there, the first thing he says that Jesus Christ is made unto us of God is wisdom. Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. So the Lord Jesus, he's the personification of wisdom. In other words, if you wanted to see wisdom and what it was all about and what it was like, if you were alive when Christ was there, all you'd have to do is watch him. And you'd see living, breathing, walking, talking wisdom. Now, we, we didn't have that opportunity to actually see him like that. But you know what? We get to see him through the eyes of faith in the word of God as his life is, is laid out and played out in the gospels and elsewhere in the scriptures as well. So as I look and I examine the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, I see wisdom being lived out. And the Lord Jesus, he, he's necessary. If, if he's the wisdom of God and made unto us the wisdom of God, then I'm going to need him uh, to get wisdom. Beyond that, there's an interesting passage in Revelation chapter 5, and I'm going to read it to you beginning in verse number 1. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. We've got a sealed book. It's got seven seals. Nobody can open it. And John said in verse 4, And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. Now, you can discuss exactly what that book was, but here's one thing we can be certain. It was the Word of God. Whether it was the entire thing or a portion of it, the application is the same. It was the Lamb that was able to open up that book. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ that's able to open up the Bible for you. You know, I can testify to that firsthand. I had some bits and pieces of knowledge from the scriptures with my religious uh, upbringing and, uh, and then had some, some seeking prior to getting saved, looking in the Bible, trying to make sense. But there was a strange thing that happened once I got saved. It's like all those pieces of that puzzle that were floating around began to come together, fall into place and make sense. And suddenly I, I started to understand those, those pieces and what they meant and how they applied uh, and, and, and what I was to do about them. It began to make sense. When? When the Lord Jesus Christ came in and saved my soul. And he began to dwell in my heart by faith. And he opened up the Bible to me. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But upon salvation, you get the Lord Jesus Christ, and he'll open up the book for you. Now, you're still going to have to study, and you're not going to get it all at once, but there'll be a lot of things that begin to make sense. So there's something else in Proverbs that I want to um, 
make mention of and point out. You see a regular occurrence of the term uh, my son. And going through here several years ago, I began to notice this. I began to notice how he just kept saying, uh, my son this and uh, my son that. For example, uh, if you go back there to Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs 1, and look in Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 8. Proverbs 1, verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Verse 10, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Verse 15, my son, walk not thou in the way with them. Now we understand what's going on historically. I mean, historically, you have uh, the Proverbs of Solomon, and he's writing to his son. Uh, the only son that we know that he had um, by name uh, was Rehoboam. So we would assume that's who he's writing to directly is his son, uh, Rehoboam. But he keeps, so he keeps saying, my son, he says it again in chapter two, verse one, my son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. And he keeps going over this thing, saying, my son, my son, chapter three, verse number one, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. He goes on uh, in chapter four, if you look there in verse number 10, chapter four, uh, verse number 10. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings. And he keeps talking about my sayings, my words, my commandments. There was a time in here where, where, I, where I got thinking, you know what? Um, God, he, he's a father, and he's my father being saved, and I'm his son, and he's got words. The, the whole book of Proverbs began to be more personal as I began to look at that, not just from a historical standpoint, but a spiritual standpoint. Thinking about my father, God, talking to me, his son. With that in mind, look at Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, attend to my words and incline thine ears unto my saying. And it's like the whole book began to come alive. It's like God speaking directly to me, his son. And he said it in chapter 5, verse 1. My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to my understanding. And just on and on uh, he went on this thing. And I'm, I'm reminded that in uh, John chapter 1, verse number 12, it says, but to them... But, but to as many as believed him, to them gave he power. Uh, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. As many as received him, he gave power to become the sons of God. John, 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. When you get saved, you are a son of God. And he is your father. And in the book of Proverbs, he got some wisdom to give you. He said, likewise, in chapter 4, verse 1, in a similar fashion, Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. And uh, I read that and I'm reminded in Galatians chapter 326, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And uh, so he's saying, hear ye children, and, and I am uh, the instruction of a father, and God is. And uh, it's, it's good to be able to say that. And, and that phrase, my son especially, it repeats itself uh, even many more times throughout the book of Proverbs. Now, back in Proverbs, this time chapter number two, in Proverbs two, we're going to look at uh, some more information about how to obtain uh, the wisdom of God. So I want to start in chapter two, verse number one, Proverbs chapter two and verse number one. And in Proverbs 2, verse 1, he says, as we already have seen, my son, if thou wilt receive my words. So here, if I want to get God's wisdom, then I need to receive 
God's words. Now, uh, and I'll get into that more in that moment, but let's just notice how this whole passage starts out with the if. Now, a lot of times when you have an if, you're going to wind up with, uh, eventually with a then. I remember l- learning and reading just a little bit about, um, you know, uh, computer programming and, um, like what the, the what they do when when programming you know DOS uh, and and that and 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 just reading some some of the program and and there was this thing in there uh, that uh, they that use that as it have an if then so you you'd program you say if these conditions are present then and then you close it with a then this is going to happen you know a lot of God's promises are like that they're if then promises if you do this then God will do that. So this starts out with an if, and the then uh, commences in verse number five, where he says, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God for the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. What's going to happen to the person that fulfills the conditions of the if is in verse number six, they're going to wind up with the wisdom that God gives. God's going to give them that wisdom. Also, understanding the fear of the Lord and finding the knowledge of God. But they're going to gain that wisdom of God. So let's pay attention to these ifs, because if I want to get the then, if I want to get that wisdom, then I need to do these things. And the first thing he says is, if thou wilt receive my words. Well, we know we have uh, his word in the Bible. So I need to, if I want to get wisdom, I need to receive those words. Um, there's some important instruction about receiving the words. Well, about how to receive the words in the New Testament, Acts 17, 11, speaks of a group of people called the Bereans. And it says of the Bereans, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. All right. First thing I find out about those Bereans is when they received the word, they received it with readiness of mind. Uh, as a pastor and uh, Brother Steve as a pastor and, uh, you know, Brother Matt having preached to people, we know that sometimes the people we're preaching to and uh, Brother Eric as, as, as dealing with people and, and teaching, we know sometimes the people that we're trying to communicate the word of God to aren't there to receive it with readiness of mind. I mean, there, occasionally I have looked out on a congregation and seen somebody there and, and wondered to myself, why did they even come? They're obviously not interested. Now, you, you're still going to throw it out there anyway and hope something lands and sticks, but you, you can just tell they're not at all interested in, in being there, and they're not receiving the word with all readiness of mind. You know, I, I've been in services where it, sometimes you'd be tempted to look at somebody and say, um, uh, you know, you, you need to raise your head up and look, it's not time to pray, because they, their head just like bowed the whole time, uh, some of them uh, sleeping. And, uh, at that, I ought to tell you in Bible, I can only think of one place where somebody fell asleep during a church service. You read about it in the book of Acts. It didn't, it didn't wind up so well for him. A man named Eutychus, he, they, he fell down from the third loft and they took him up dead. Uh, you might say, well, Paul was there and he, and he raised him from the dead. So he wound up. Okay. All right. That's all well and good. But, uh, Paul hadn't been to any of our services. And if you're going to wait for us to raise you up from the dead, you're probably going to be waiting for a long time. Not that we wouldn't be willing to pray over you and try before you turn blue. <laughs> but uh, I guess, let me just say, I think I had more faith in Paul's prayers to raise somebody up from the dead than I do of uh, mine. All right. Got that, Bunny Rabbit. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. So 
you need to receive the word with all readiness of mind, according to uh, the pattern of the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Something else about those uh, Bereans. It says they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So when the Lord tells you, if thou, my son, if thou receive my words, that's the way you want to receive them with readiness of mind, ready to hear, ready to listen, waiting with bated breath, and then searching the scriptures daily to understand uh, what you've learned, what you've been taught, and, and be able to discern between truth and error. So that's the first uh, if that he says. There's another thing he mentions in chapter 2, verse 1, Proverbs. If thou receive my words, he says, and hide my commandments with thee. When I think of that, I think of the memorization of scriptures. Um, we talk about Psalm 119, verse 11, thy word have I hidden mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And it's a verse that we use in regard to memorization. Sometimes people are pointing out, will point out that hiding the word in your head is not the same as hiding it in your heart. And that's true. Um, nonetheless, in Proverbs 2, verse 1, he just says hide. And he doesn't say head or heart. Hide my commandments with thee. So one of the ways you can do that is by committing some scriptures to memory. And I would recommend that you work on memorizing some Bible verses. One of the things that helped transform my life after I got saved was uh, memorizing some scriptures. I, I was hungry. I wanted to know what to do. One of the things my pastor told me to do was uh, to, to work on memorizing scriptures. He showed me a plan about how to do it. I, I began to work on that. And I believe the first one that I ever memorized using that plan was Romans ten seventeen. This was back in um, 1980. And uh, it is now... Uh, 2020, as we mentioned um, to be in the uh, beginning of our, our uh, show today, but um, uh, I, that was Romans 10, 17, and it says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And today, having worked on it back then with that uh, little process uh, my pastor showed me, uh, I'm still able to remember both the verse and the reference. So uh, it, it, it's helpful, and I and I memorized a lot of things. I'm telling you, my mind needed a lot of reining in from what it had been exposed to, and um, the Bible talks about in Romans about how that uh, the Lord can transform you. We can be transformed, but be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And and I began to renew my mind by committing some scriptures to uh, memory, and that will help you. So I encourage you to do that. It'll help you to gain the wisdom of God. The next thing he says in Proverbs chapter 2 and uh, verse number 2, he says, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom. <clears throat> to incline your ear unto wisdom is kind of like tilt your ear in that direction. When, you're, when wisdom is being put out, make sure that you're listening. By, by going to church because you want to hear the scriptures, that's inclining your ear unto wisdom, provided you're in a Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching church. Um, some folks will go to church, they'll go to the main service, but they won't go to Sunday school. And I would encourage you to do that because the wisdom of God is being put out there. And if you want to show God you're serious about getting wisdom, get out there to Sunday school and incline your ear to wisdom. Same goes for Wednesday night Bible study. Same goes for Sunday night service, uh, or uh, whenever your midweek service is, I'd said Wednesday night, but, but to get out there, uh, go into revival meetings, to get out to church when the scriptures are going to be uh, preached and, and or taught and incline your ear into wisdom. Also in your personal conversations, sometimes, you know, uh, you might be around some folks, they start uh, talking about the Bible. Well, I hope you're not 
kind of person. As soon as a Bible conversation gets going, you leave and go somewhere else. Now you got a good Bible conversation going. Incline your ear unto wisdom. Uh, if you're tuning into this podcast uh, because you want to learn the scriptures, you're doing just what I'm talking about. You're inclining your ear unto wisdom, and that's a good thing. That That's a step that will help you to gain the wisdom of God. The next thing he says in Proverbs 2, verse 2, he says, and apply thine heart to understanding. So not only are we to learn and, and listen to the scriptures, we're to live the scriptures. We listen, we learn, and then we live. We're to apply them, to apply our heart to understanding. Or as James said, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves in James 1.22. That's applying the, the Bible. You want to gain the wisdom of God. The Bible is just not an academic exercise of something that we are to uh, learn intellectually. It's something we're to apply to our lives. It's not just um, uh, something that we're to gain so that we can be puffed up with knowledge, but something that we're to apply so we can have our lives changed and we can live for the Lord Jesus Christ and reflect the glory of God. Now he says in uh, Proverbs 2, verse 3, continuing the ifs. This is all uh, if. It's, it's, we're, we're still in the same sentence here. Uh, if thou, uh, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding. Uh, this, both of these things imply uh, prayer, crying to the Lord for knowledge, lifting up your voice to God for understanding. And of course, James chapter one, uh, verse number five is one of the greatest verses about this, where it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. One of the things that we are to pray for is wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom and look, I don't care how much wisdom you've gained. We all lack wisdom. And, and every time I read that, I still lack wisdom. Sometimes I lack it in a particular area that I will pray for, but certainly just in general, I don't know everything about God and haven't applied everything I do know about God. I need more wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally. The Lord is willing to give wisdom to anybody. Doesn't matter how uh, young you are, how old you are, how uh, short you are, how tall you are, how smart you are, how dumb you are. God's willing to give you wisdom and you just need to ask for it. I say, you just need to ask for it. You need to ask, believing that'll give it to you. Verse number six says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Read that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. So you, you want wisdom, you can ask God for it. He, he's willing to give it to you. It says, and upbraideth not. He's not going to rebuke you, upbraid you for asking for it. He wants you to ask him for it. Let him ask of God. God's the one that can give wisdom. And, and we already kind of saw that. And we skipped ahead and looked a little bit later there in Proverbs chapter 2. For the Lord giveth wisdom. He gives it. He wants you to ask. And sometimes when it comes to wisdom, you have not uh, because you ask not. So ask. So let him ask, let him ask of God that uh, giveth, he says, to all men uh, liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So, so pray, just pray for wisdom in general. Again, even if it isn't, even if it isn't wisdom for a specific or particular thing, ask the Lord for wisdom. Lord, God, give me wisdom. Even if you don't know what it is, I, I would teach my kids as they they were younger, uh, especially just to, it's like put wisdom at the top of your prayer list. Make sure you pray and ask God for wisdom. 
And I'm sure when they were young, they didn't even fully understand what they're doing, but they began to ask them him and they, they took it seriously and, and knew that it was important. I think no matter how old we are, it's something that we ought to ask for the Lord regularly. It ought to be one of the, probably one of the most frequent prayers that you pray, asking God for wisdom, whether in general or in, in particular. And I pray both ways for it. I pray for it generally, and I pray for it in particular situations. Now, back in uh, the the verse, he says, if thou criest after knowledge, crying can can involve two things, uh, lifting up your voice, but then he says that in the next uh, line. So so that's kind of really getting fervent in prayer, you know, getting genuine and serious and, and earnest, maybe even desperate, lifting up your voice for understanding, and then crying as in shedding tears. You might need to shed some tears over your lack of wisdom and your desire for it. You need to show the Lord you're serious by doing some earnest, fervent praying uh, for wisdom. Then in uh, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 4, he says about um, uh, if you do this, uh, then you're going to get this. He says, if thou seekest her as silver. So he keeps going um, with the ifs. If thou receive my words, verse 1. Verse uh, 3, if thou criest after knowledge. Again in verse 4, if thou seekest her as silver. If you want wisdom, you need to seek after it. You need to seek it. Um, you need to go for it, go after it, and seek her as silver. Now, there is an illustration or a story which provides us an illustration in the Bible uh, about somebody seeking silver. It's about a woman. And it says in uh, Luke 15, verse 8, Jesus is, is telling the story. He says, either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek there's, some, uh, there's a little bit more after that that's going to give us some more insight. But here's the woman. She lost it, the silver, and she's going to seek for it. But it says she she lights a candle, sweeps the house, going to clean up and look for it, and seek diligently. Now, diligently implies hard work and implies uh, thoroughness in your seeking. And so if you want to find wisdom, you need to be diligent about your seeking it. Uh, Hebrews 11 tells us, and I believe in verse number six, the Lord's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And if you want to uh, to gain wisdom, you gotta you got to show the Lord again you're serious about it. you got to diligently seek after it. What does that mean? Now, again, that means uh, you know getting yourself up, getting to church. That means you're studying your Bible, running the cross-references. That means uh, looking here a little, there a little, line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, uh, being diligent about it. But then it says this, Luke 15, 8. Either what woman having 10 pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. The woman doesn't give up. She's going to seek till she finds. Some people open up the Bible, read it, and say, I didn't get anything out of that, and they quit. Some people go to uh, Bible study and church, I didn't get anything out of that, and they give up. No, you know what? In that book that you're holding, that, that Bible, there is wisdom to be found. You need to seek till you find it, because it is there. You need to seek her as uh, silver, the Bible says. And I think about that, I think of something else. In uh, Job chapter 28, verse 1, it says, Surely there is a vein for the silver and a place for gold where they find it. Uh, F-I-N-E, as in refining it. But he talks about silver, there's a vein for it. So this tells me that when you find silver in the earth in, in, as you're mining for it, uh, it'll show up in veins. As opposed to a nugget here, a nugget there, you can hit a vein where there's silver. Uh, 
that tells me that if I'm um, mining for silver and I and I hit silver, that that tells me to keep digging up around that same area or keep chipping away because I'm likely to find more there. And when it comes to the scriptures, as you mine uh, the scriptures looking for the nuggets of uh, God's silver and his wisdom, if, if the Lord begins to open up something to you in one place of the scriptures, there's a good chance if you'll stick around there for a little while and, and work in the context and in the chapter and in the vicinity, there's going to be some more silver right there for you to find right then and there if you'll just hang, hang around that place for a little bit. All right, I mentioned earlier that there are 125 reference to the words of uh, words wisdom and wise and all of its various forms in the book of Proverbs. That's more than all the reference to these words in the entire New Testament. And I, I point this out again here to show you that the book of Proverbs in and of itself is a vein of silver with all kinds of uh, silver pieces waiting to be mined out of it. So, so get in there and, and just read it. The Lord somehow or another got it to me early on in my Christian life, just the importance of the book of Proverbs. Some people practice reading a proverb a day, which is a good thing and, um, kind of can get you through it about once a month, uh, 12 times a year. But I'm going to tell you, you ought to, you ought to get in that book in that the whole book, the Bible, but also in that book of Proverbs, not don't certainly neglect the rest of the scriptures, but, but spend some time in there. There are hid treasures to be unearthed in the book of Proverbs. He says, uh, also about this, um, in verse number four, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, you know, you're looking for treasures. You have the, uh, the treasure map that, um, uh, is, uh, so, uh, you know, prevalent in literature. Well, we got a map to show us where the silver is and that's that Bible and show you where to search, show you where to dig. So search and dig in the scriptures and, uh, get you some of the wisdom of God. And if you do all these things, then the promise thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God for the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. So seek and ye shall find. He goes on in Proverbs 2, 7 to say, he layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. For the righteous, that implies somebody that's uh, living right and doing right. You know, um, Job chapter 28, verse 28, the Bible goes on and reads this way. And unto man he said, to behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. There's a, there's a connection between the wisdom of God and departing from evil. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Proverbs or Psalm 19.9 says the fear of the Lord is clean. The wisdom that's from above is first pure. It says in James chapter 3, verse 17. One of the ways to get more wisdom is you clean up. You clean up. You want to understand the Bible. You want to get the wisdom of God. Uh, be clean. And uh, the Lord will be better able to communicate the scriptures. Yeah, the scriptures are called holy scriptures. And, and as you live a holy life, you'll be able to get more in tune with the wisdom from the holy scriptures. Now, there's something else I ought to point out. When we talk about wisdom, uh, there's two types of wisdom. There's the wisdom of this world, and then there's the wisdom of God. James goes through that and, and tells you about both of them. In James chapter 3, he says in James 3.13, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. So, so there is the wisdom of God right there. Now he's going to talk about some elements or characteristics of people that have another type of wisdom. 
yeah, the characteristics of this other type of wisdom themselves itself. Verse 14, James 3. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom. There is a wisdom that um, is filled with bitter envying and strife. And he says, this wisdom, this it's a worldly wisdom, because he says, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly. It's, it's not the wisdom of God descending from heaven. It's an earthly wisdom, a worldly wisdom. Is earthly, sensual, devilish, pertaining to the senses. Now, that's the wisdom of this world. That's the wisdom being disseminated in uh, our colleges and uh, universities. You know, over in uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 22, it says, for the Jews require uh, a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. You know, uh, interesting that he says the Greeks seek after wisdom. So all the colleges and fraternities and sororities, uh, they use Greek letters to identify themselves because they're associating that with wisdom. Uh, Greek letters, you know, Phi Beta Kappa, Delta Tau Sigma, et cetera. But most of these folks are ever learning and ever able to come to the knowledge of the truth because they don't believe the Bible. And the wisdom that they're gaining in these colleges and universities, by and large, is uh, earthly, sensual, devilish. I'm not saying there's nothing you can gain from a college or university. I'm not saying that you can't uh, go there and prepare and, and learn uh, for your life's work and so forth. I'm saying when it comes to uh, human morality, you're not going to learn the, the right uh, slant on it from uh, these uh, secular colleges and universities and from a lot of the private colleges and universities either. Um, you, want, you want that, you're going to have to have one that exalts the Bible and exalts Jesus Christ. And the wisdom of this world, the Bible says, is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. The wisdom that This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Amen, amen, amen. You know, every evil work in these places. You know, it's the animal house mentality. That's kind of go, what goes on, by and large, in these colleges and, and universities, as far as the, the moral behavior of these people. Every evil work. Contrast that with James 3.17, which says, but the wisdom that is from above, this is the wisdom that comes from God, comes from heaven. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, living clean and right, then peaceable. There's no peace, saith my God, to the wicked, but the wisdom of God gives you peace. Gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. It is real, genuine wisdom. No hypocrisy about it. And, uh, and so that's the kind of wisdom uh, that we uh, need. Now, let me um, begin to wrap it up with some, uh, a few other interesting uh, nuggets and tidbits. And I say begin to wrap it up. You know, don't, don't, don't close your Bibles and zip them up yet. Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 9. We started in Proverbs 4, verse number 7. Proverbs chapter 4 now, verse number 9. It had been talking about wisdom, verse 7 being the principal thing. Verse 8, exalt her and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. And then in verse number 9, it says this. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. It's my belief that wisdom will help you gain a crown at the judgment seat of Christ. You know that crown of glory there in Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 9? Do you know what shows up in the New Testament? That same crown? 
it is often referred to as the uh, shepherd's crown or the pastor's crown. It comes in First Peter chapter 5, and, and I'm going to read you uh, that passage beginning in, in verse number 1, continuing to verse number 4. Where Peter says, the elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Consequently, it's said that this is the shepherd's crown or the pastor's crown, and it's been said that this crown is only obtainable by, you know, somebody that's in the ministry. Well, we see that that it's called a crown of glory, and then we see the same term in Proverbs 4, verse number 9. Well, we know that wisdom is not um, something that is exclusively offered to uh, pastors, although pastors certainly need it. We saw how James told us, if any of you lack wisdom, amen, lack wisdom. So it's available to anybody. Though the crown of glory was offered to the shepherds, and, and, and I believe they can get it, I think there's something else here that we can, can learn. I think any Christian can get this crown of glory, not by being a pastor, but by gaining wisdom. Um, for example, back in 1 Samuel chapter 30, uh, David because of the circumstances, instituted a, um, a new, a new uh, statute in Israel. And they had just got, got back from fighting uh, for their families, uh, overtaking the people that had uh, taken the families, the Amalekites. And when they were coming back, uh, there were some people that, that got too tired, couldn't go with them, and they stayed there to protect their, their things. And it says, for who will hearken unto you in this matter? And David said this, but as his part is that goeth down to the battle, well, well I should, I should add this. When the people got back, they, they wanted to say, well, we're going to, we're not going to give these guys any of the spoils of war. We're just going to give them back their, you know, their kids, kids and their wives. But, but David says, for who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. And it was so from that day forward that he made it, made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel in, unto this day. David had learned a great lesson about the importance of, of leaving somebody to tarry by the stuff because of the reason that Ziklag was sacked was because the men all went off to war, but they didn't leave anybody back to guard the camp. So now David says, and it's important to have somebody guarding the stuff. And while they were, while, while they were out fighting the battle, somebody else stayed by the stuff and they all got to part alike in, in the uh, spoils of war. Something similar is mentioned in Psalm 68, a different circumstance, but the, the same lesson or a similar lesson. Verse 11 and 12, the Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. Kings of armies did flee apace, and she that tarried at home divided the spoil. The woman that stayed by the stuff and didn't go out with the army um, stood by um, her uh, helpful duties uh, to, to guard the household. Uh, she got to partake of the blessing of the spoil. And it, and it would seem to me that since God delivers a crown or for wisdom, or as it says in the verse, wisdom will, will deliver a crown to the individual that has it in Proverbs 4, verse number 9, that uh, anybody can gain this crown. Wisdom is, is certainly something desirable. And, and some more emerges uh, about that. Um, 
he says in Proverbs eight eleven, for wisdom is better than rubies and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. So it is something that's uh, worthwhile and desirable, but Proverb in Proverbs eight, verse 17, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to work my way up to this thing it says, I love them that love me and those that seek me early. So find me. So we're, we're talking about seeking wisdom. You, you want to get it and obtain it. Uh, talking about seeking it early, early in life. I think it's important too. early in the day, like the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, he rose up in Mark one, verse 35, early in the morning, a great while before day, went out to solitary place and sought God, prayed. Uh, Simon then followed him. So this is something good for all of us to do. Proverbs 8, verse 18, about the these rewards, this uh, crown thing. It says in Proverbs 8, verse 18, about wisdom, riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. Look at that thing durable, durable riches. I think about that. I think uh, Jesus speaking in uh, John chapter six, verse 27, and he says, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth under everlasting life. Something that's going to last beyond this life, like those durable riches. How about Luke 16, 11? If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches. There are true riches beyond this life that endure an everlasting life. Proverbs 8, verse number 19, my fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. What wisdom can produce for you is better than the riches of this earth. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance Colossians 3.24, knowing that of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. That's, that's a reward of the judgment seat of Christ. That I, may, that I may cause, wisdom will do this, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. Or as Jesus himself said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Well, I'll do this for you. The wisdom of God will do it for you. Wisdom has its appealing characteristics, uh, I guess not the least of which is the fact that um, it can help you to gain treasure in heaven. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 16, about um, what wisdom is and what it can do. It says, wisdom is better than strength. Sometimes, uh, you know, when and you want to put forth strength and uh, there's a better and wiser way to handle that thing. Wisdom is better than the strength. Ecclesiastes 9, 18, wisdom is better than weapons of war. Proverbs 21, verse 20, there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. There is treasure available in wisdom. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13, uh, and running it down uh, several verses. In Proverbs 3, verse 13, the Bible says this, happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. You know, for that reason alone, uh, I might be talking to somebody that, that would want to gain wisdom because you're not happy. Maybe you're saved, but you're still not happy. Wisdom will give you happiness. Somebody, every once in a while, somebody waxes spiritual, uh, they think they're waxing spiritually eloquent, and they'll say things, well, God never promises happiness. Look again, I can find plenty of places in the Bible where God promises happiness. Here's one, happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. 
for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. In other words, what I could, the merchandise I could gain with silver and purchase with gold, what I can gain and purchase with wisdom is much better than that. She, wisdom, she is more precious than rubies and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Like we read in Proverbs eight seventeen, Length of days is in her right hand and her left hand riches and honor. Yeah, those durable riches we talked about. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. Uh, that's the way we like to have our lives going pleasantly. Her ways are way of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to, to them that lay hold upon her. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. When you gain wisdom, you get happy. Then you stay happy by retaining wisdom. I might be talking to somebody, you got happy after you got saved. And then you began to drift away from the wisdom of God, the word of God, a right relationship with God. And, and you didn't retain that wisdom and apply it to your life, and you, you haven't retained your happiness. You gain happiness by finding wisdom. You stay happy and retain happiness by retaining wisdom. Happy is everyone that retaineth her. So look, you should desire wisdom. You should seek wisdom. You should retain wisdom. And, and wisdom is desirable, and, and it is obtainable, and it is retainable. And wisdom is the principal thing. So I exhort you once again, as we wrap it up here today, therefore, get wisdom. Amen. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the study, Pastor. Yeah, that was great. Um, I was just thinking about uh, when I looked at this um, study here that you did, uh, I was thinking about John chapter 7, verse 17. Uh, where the Bible says, and of course, this is Jesus Christ talking. He says, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. And uh, you look back up at verse 15. They said, and the Jews marveled, saying, how knoweth this man letters, having never learned? And Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. And it's just, there's something about, you know, the wisdom of God. Pastor Strobel said in the beginning of the study, um, that the Bible is, of course, the ultimate book of wisdom, and then, of course, Proverbs is the ultimate book of wisdom in the Bible, and um, and it's just the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and anybody that that takes the Word of God and and learns the wisdom. It uh, doesn't matter if somebody believes it or not, but they take notice and they say, "Wow, this this person's got something that." Uh, nobody else that I've ever seen has on this earth because the wisdom's not from here. You know, the wisdom's from from above, from heaven, from the Lord Jesus Christ. And and, uh, and then that reminded me of uh, Acts 4.13, uh, when it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And uh, again, they were just bold. The apostles were bold uh, in regards to the wisdom of God, because they had the wisdom of God, and they were preaching. You look up in uh, Acts 4 there, they're preaching boldly about uh, the wisdom of God and, of course, salvation in Christ. And uh, and it says, you know, they took knowledge they had been with Christ. And I, I think that's one of the big things, too, or um, the hindrances of being able to get this wisdom is uh, people aren't with Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is, 1 John 1, 6 says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, talking about Jesus Christ, and in walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. 
So for these apostles to be able to have been with Christ, get the wisdom of Christ, uh, like Pastor Strobel said, not only should they um, you know, be searching them out and uh, receive them with all readiness of mind, uh, memorize them, live the scriptures, cry, cry after him and, and uh, cry after the wisdom, but I think also that uh, we have to um, keep the commandments of God because I think sometimes God will just shut out uh, the wisdom that you could have got, even if you're reading your Bible, studying your Bible. But if you're walking in darkness and sinning and and openly sinning and not caring, not not repenting of it, uh, Lord says, listen, we, we, we can't have fellowship like this. I can't give you the wisdom that I'd normally give you. So great study. It's just uh, it's a blessing that we got the the words of God in this King James Bible. We got the wisdom of God and and uh, we can know it. And uh, it does. It makes you it's more fulfilling than anything in this whole entire world. And, and thank God for that. Amen. Well, uh, as usual, Pastor Strobel, you you jam pack your your study with with so many verses and and uh, and you, of course you put it together and and I'll just say this: you do it with wisdom and and it's a great study. Yeah. Uh, there's so many things that that could be said, but I you know I don't want to detract from the from the study itself because uh, there's it's laid out so well. Um, let me just say this: there, you know, there's a wisdom that can be gained, and you probably already referenced this in, in the study. But there's a, a wisdom that can be gained by experience. Uh, Doctor Ruckman used to say, "Experience was trouble," and uh, you know, a lot of the times when uh, a person can learn from the mistakes that they make, they gain wisdom from that. Uh, but the, obviously, the other thing is that you can gain wisdom by uh, through the Word of God and so forth, and and, and also on top of that, uh, there was a verse, and and I, I forgive me if you you mentioned this verse before, but in Proverbs chapter thirteen and verse twenty, it says, "He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, That's but good. a companion yeah. of fools shall be destroyed." Amen. And uh, the the one thing that that I have found, uh, you know, obviously I try to get into the Word of God and. And obviously, try to learn from the mistakes that I've made, which are many. But I try to get around people that are wise. Uh, I, I remember uh, getting around a fella early on in my Christian life that discipled me, and uh, he wasn't perfect by any means. But but he tried to uh, live the Word of God, and he showed me that that uh, Christianity is twenty four seven. It's not just something that you put on and put off like many religious people do today. And that set the tone for me to know what uh, God expected of me and and how I should live for Him. And uh, so I have, over the years, tried to surround myself with with wise people because you can learn a lot. And the thing about it is, is that you know if you can, um, let's say, uh, not have to learn it through experience, but you can learn it through uh, the experience of other people. You save yourself a lot of heartache, yeah. and uh, that's that's always a good thing. That's I guess that's the best kind of wisdom that you could gain is when you when you learn from others and uh, and learn from the Word of God, so that you don't have to make the same mistakes that they make. I, I think that's probably one of the reasons why uh, the Lord, you know, or the Apostle Paul mentioned twice about uh, uh, these things. Have I written it? No. Um, uh, uh, it just left me now. Uh, these are for our learning and for our admonition and oh, so yeah. forth yep. there. Yep. And, uh, uh, you know, the 
what the Old Testament Jews and, and uh, the Old Testament uh, characters in the Bible went through. They went through for our learning and for our admonition. And uh, we can learn from their mistakes so we don't have to make those same mistakes. And I guess ultimately the, the last one, and again, forgive me if, you, if you've already said this, but uh, I look at this, uh, I, I just preached a message about uh, uh, where Jesus Christ said, learn of me. And, uh, you know, we're supposed to uh, find out the character of our Savior and, and learn about him and know him and get a relationship with him. And there's a verse in Corinthians says, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Amen. So if we can focus on Jesus Christ and on his word and surround ourselves with wise men, uh, as you've already said, happy is the man that findeth wisdom. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I, I just wanted to chime in with the, um, you know, you talked about that vein of silver that, you know, sometimes we just need to stay. And uh, park uh, something that God has shown us in the Bible. And in my daily reading, I've been going through the Bible, and I came across Daniel, where I've been, actually my wife and I have been parked there for uh, the last two or three weeks now. <clears throat> and just studying that, and I'm, I've always gone through Daniel before and just kind of read through it and like, eh, I don't know. It was pretty deep, you know, parts of it, just like Revelation. But this time, God's been showing me some things, and it's really opened up. It, almost like pulling back, you know, uh, some parts of an onion. You you just layer after layer. <laughs> there's there's more and more that are there, and I'm just we're just taking our time and and looking at that and going through it. And and the other thing is, it, you know, there's so many distractions in the world, whether it's TV or video games, and and not that any of those things could be, you know, or even books, other books that are are evil in and of themselves, but they, for me, they are, they can be a big distraction in a time sink where I spend more time than I need to be doing. And, you know, I found here and, and again, just recently, really, the more time that we've been spending in the Bible and, uh, talking about these things, I mean, the days fly by and I, I haven't, you know, we haven't watched TV or <laughs> or played a video game, which is unusual, or even read other things. We, we we've been studying the Bible, and you would think, oh, that must be drudgery. How you know? How maybe somebody listening to this would think, how could you spend so much time on a Bible? You know, since we've been retired, we we can find that we can spend a lot of time just talking about things that the the Lord has shown us, and and as we study the, the Book of Daniel, my wife and I together, that it just it's been more exciting than ever before that, that the Bible just comes alive. And I'm like, well, I could read something else or watch something else or do something else, but then I'm missing out on what God has revealed in the Bible that I've, that he's showing me now. And it's just, it's so exciting, you know, and, and to have that, have that opportunity to read a, a book that lays out uh, not only the past, but the future and, and, prophecy that you know that has has come along and that that has been demonstrated to be sure and true i mean there's so many truths in the bible that it it you know it just proves itself over and over to me that it's uh it's where i need to be so so when you when you spoke about that vein of silver i'm like yep i've got one in daniel right now that i'm mining and i'm, I'm Amen. we've been Amen. there we've been there mining for a while and it's it's good stuff so it Amen. Thanks for uh, thanks for bringing that study today, Pastor. Amen. And you know the uh, 
I know every, everybody here, you know, Matthew and up in the Arctic, they're busy. And I know uh, Brother Steve there and Buffalo and Pastor Strobel, they've all got uh, their own ministries, their own lives and families. And so to take time to, to for the podcast is much appreciated. And I, I, I do feel like that, um, that word is not going to come back void. So, amen. Absolutely. Much appreciated. Amen. So uh, there we go. First uh, episode of 2020. And Lord willing, and unless the Lord comes back quicker, we'll be we'll be doing another one here soon. All right. Any last words? That's, that's Still no all. flying cars in 2020. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, by now, wasn't everybody supposed to have a helicopter or something? <laughs> yeah. Supposed to be like... Uh, supposed uh, to be like the Jetsons. Yeah. Yeah. Flash Flash Gordon. Oh. Yeah, I, I was reading that someplace around some glacier national park or something like that, they haven't go change the signs because the signs are saying that they're all going to be melted by 2020. They're <laughs> <laughs> so having to go change the dates on them. Amen. Climate change at its finest. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, Lord willing, we see you again soon. Again, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, Amen. Troubles will soon be our happy forevermore. When we meet on that shore, free for all care. Rising up in the sky. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will, many will meet their doom. Trumpets will will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise. Righteous meet in the skies. Go where no one dies. Heavenward bound. Jesus is coming soon. Shall rise, righteous be in the skies, going where no one dies, heavenward bound.